Do you feel beautiful? Do you look beautiful? Does one really affect the other? Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out with host Bonnie Bonadeo. In our show, we'll help you uncover your true self and unleash beauty that you never knew existed in order to be at your best, both inside and out. Now, here is your host, Bonnie Bonadeo. Hey, everybody. Bonnie Bonadeo here, your host for Beauty Inside and Out. Um, I love the uh, the shows that we just came off of the last six weeks. We did a pre-summer series, so we talked about everything from the outside as well as some dietary things on the inside. But we're taking a shift for the next couple of weeks. And really what I want this shift to be about is thinking about those loved ones, the loved ones that um, have are battling cancer, the loved ones that are going through cancer, the loved ones that are survivors of cancer. And those will be um, the shows that we're going to package up here for the next couple of weeks as well. So I know being in the beauty industry that I talk a lot about hair and mainly because I've spent 35 years in the hair industry is what I call it. Beauty is all encompassing, you know, from head to toe inside and out as my show reflects. Um, But hair is a never ending topic that we can talk about. And I know how important my hair is to me. And for those of you that have listened to my show before, you also know that I went through a phase where I lost a lot of hair. So I have compassion for those people that um, do either have some uh, something going on that they have hair loss and or they're going through treatments and doing hair loss. Now, what we know to be true about our hair is that it's the number one accessory that we wear every day. So it does have meaning. It does have value. It does have that ability for us to feel whole and complete. And when that is a missing, we start to not feel as good about ourselves and we start to not look, feel as though we look as good. And then we start disconnecting from the world. And when we start disconnecting from the world, we don't have all that powerful opportunities to be able to have the support of other people, have the healing of just you know, nature and uh, all of those other things that kind of provide us in that support. So my guest today is Bethany Hornthal. Uh, Sorry about that, Bethany. And um, she ha- she's on a mission. She's on a beautiful mission. I can't wait to tell you more about it. But it is in regards to, um, you know, supporting people to be able to keep their hair while going through chemotherapy. So Bethany, it, she's a great communication and marketing uh, strategist and is a development consultant. Um, and you, I love this right here. You are um, you're the pioneer in the in the breast cancer space, and currently you're the executive director of Hair to Stay, and this is a national nonprofit um, organization that subsidizes this this newer technique that's happening right now called scalp cooling, and what it does is it prevents hair loss in relation to chemotherapy. So, Bethany, welcome. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Love being here. Yeah. yeah. I Okay. So I love the fact that, that you are the pioneer in breast cancer space. Can you give us more about this? Well, I, I'm not exactly sure that I can own that title, but <laughs> I'm, I think I'm, I'm part of a pioneering team uh, in terms of bringing scalp cooling to the United States and getting it through the regulatory processes here that can make it more accessible to people. Um, Scalp cooling, I I have been working with the uh, University of California, San Francisco Breast Care Center and team for over a decade now, 
I've raised funds for a real pioneer, Dr. Laura Esserman, who runs the Breast Care Center as a researcher, a scientist, a breast surgeon, um, one of Time 100's most influential people in 2016. And she came to me about seven years ago, and on a napkin, she wrote out scalp cooling, and she asked me if I'd ever heard of it. And that was the beginning of our journey. Um, where I went off and, and actually Googled scalp cooling because, no, I'd never heard of it. And she said, look, we have a patient here who says, you know, she's a breast cancer patient and she has beautiful blonde curly hair and she's not willing to lose it. And she says that women in Europe are frequently not using her, losing their hair during chemotherapy. And why isn't that true here? Mm. So... Um, I investigated and determined that, yeah, she was actually right and that there were techniques being utilized around the country, around the world, not um, referred to as scalp cooling, that were mitigating hair loss during chemotherapy. So from that point, we, um, I was able to find a funder uh, that was willing to help us fund uh, an FDA trial in the United States to test scalp cooling. And uh, so we did. And, oh, um, that's so de- great. Yeah. So yeah. December of 2015, we were able to uh, receive, we actually received the clearance from the FDA uh, for a product coming from Sweden called the DignaCap system, which is an automated device that um, is leased by medical infusion centers and is used to prevent hair loss. Um, Perfect. Well, I want to get into all of those yeah, details, and um, and we ha- we do actually have plenty of time to get into all of those details because I know people have questions in regard to this. But you know, th- I love the fact that this doctor kind of came to you and you started heading this up. So you have a very compassionate side to you here. So give us a little bit more about your story and and how it evolved into the work that you're doing and this and this you know, amazing mission that you're in to be able to support this? Well, I think, you know, personally, I um, I, I think the, the surprise to most people is there's an assumption that I am a breast cancer survivor, and that actually is not the case. Um, I never have been diagnosed, at least not yet, with breast cancer, but it is a disease that uh, certainly is pervasive in my family, I've been aware of it from a young age and have followed research about breast cancer, um, have always had an interest in health care. And uh, at some point about 12, 15 years ago, I started to pay a little more attention to the healthcare space and had a chance to actually meet uh, Dr. Esserman um, at a fundraiser she was conducting. And um, we got into conversation and she sort of asked me if I was uh, willing to join her team and help her raise funds for the kinds of work that she was doing. And I think this is um, an incredibly awful epidemic, um, cancer in general and breast cancer in specific. I can certainly relate to it. And the idea, as we were doing different trials of accelerating drug development, all of that was pretty exciting to me to be able to play a part And when scalp cooling came up, I mean, it's not too difficult, I think, especially as a woman, to think about your own reaction to being told that you have breast cancer, number one. And for many, many people, the majority of women, the first question they ask when they're told they have breast cancer, after they ask if they're going to have to have what kind of treatment, is, 
will I lose my hair? Yeah, so let's talk and, about that a little bit more because yeah. that's a really – that really is. I mean, I I do work for Look Good, Feel Better. Um, so while women are in treatment and be able to help them, you know, to try on wigs, to, you know, fancy some mm-hmm. other things to cover up their scalp and especially because of the level of sensitivity and everything. And then I teach them how to put on eyebrows and makeup, which, you know, they say sometimes to me is like, this is the first time somebody's ever taught me how to apply makeup. Um, so it there is there is this real self-consciousness that happens and in regards to the hair loss. And so it, 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 um, you would never want, I don't want to lose my hair to be a choice of their, their designated treatment. Well, and, and to that point, Bonnie, there's a study that has been done that has found that 8% of female patients refused potentially life-saving chemotherapy treatments due to the fear of losing their hair. And that's mm. a reported that's a reported study. And so you can imagine that if that many women were willing to say that that was the case, it's probably a much more significant number. And a number of oncologists have suggested to me that in their practice, they see it even more than that. Right. So, because hair yeah. loss really is one of those, and I think this is even on your website too, it is one of those devastating side effects of yeah, chemotherapy. Yeah. And uh, the women that share their stories with me, and I'm sure women that share the stories with you as well, um, they are like, you know what? I, I, I got it. I got cancer. I know I need to do treatment, but it wasn't until my hair started falling out that I realized I have cancer. Mm-hmm. Because that's, well, that yeah. seems to go like synonymous with, I have cancer, so now I'm going to lose my hair. Well, not only do they realize they have cancer, everybody else gets to realize right. they have cancer. Right. And now, how fair yes. is that? I mean, yeah, they and so control. they're completely exposed. Yeah. Um, right. And, you know, and I know that there's there's lots of choices. I mean, you know, they, I know that the... The uh, Cancer Society provides free wigs for a lot of people, um, that it's that it can be covered through their insurance to be able to provide them a wig. And what's interesting is people are like, you know, when I have to put it on and wear it, I will. But I've really had to get to this point where I'm comfortable enough to be in public and not wear it because it's incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, especially like I'm here in Phoenix, Arizona. So you try to put a wig on in the middle of summer and it's like, you know, putting a plastic bag over your entire body and and it's stifling, um, you know, when you're when your scalp doesn't have that, you know, that freedom. And they they really do struggle with the beauty side of not having their hair. So I, I love what you're doing. I love what you're all about. Um, and I know that, you know, that, that the mission is clear, but what are some of the things that you hear from women in regards to this now? And it's not approved by the FDA, or is it now? Yes, yes, it is. So let me just, okay. um, if we have time for just a teeny bit of clarification so people understand, um, there are two types of scalp cooling that have gone on in other parts of the world for many decades, actually. One is called manual, is a manual approach, whereby people can rent uh, cold caps from a variety of suppliers. Um, They get the cold caps, and they are responsible for the cold caps. These are not FDA-approved, nor do they need to be, because the patient is taking responsibility. 
So these products are usually, they have to be put on dry ice or into a freezer if the medical center has one. And then they have to be changed every 30 minutes. And the way scalp cooling works is you put the cap on 30 minutes before the infusion, you wear it throughout the infusion, and then you wear it for a period of time afterwards, depending upon sometimes the actual chemo regimen and just how toxic that type of chemo is. So maybe 90 minutes, maybe two hours uh, after. So you have more than one cap in this situation because you have to switch it out in order. It has to be cold. Yes, it has to be every okay. 30 minutes, pretty much, it gets changed. So depending so upon the length sp- of time, you may have eight caps, you may have 16 caps, um, I, I, you know, you'll have a, a number of caps. The other approach, which is what we took through the FDA, is an automated approach, a system where there's a machine that sits next to the infusion, ca- the infusion chair, and it circulates a coolant into a pump that then goes into a silicone cap on top of the patient's head where it maintains a constant temperature either through sensors in the cap or sensors in the machine. It's put on once. It stays on through the treatment. You can unplug the cap and go and use the restroom if you need to. Come back, put the cap back on as long as you're only gone less than 10 minutes, and you continue until the time is done. And so it's a much more convenient approach, but what happens is that the medical center is taking responsibility. Their nursing staff or medical staff is putting that cap on you, and so it is under their jurisdiction and liability, and so the FDA clearance is very critical to them from that standpoint, as well as just knowing um, that the FDA has looked at it and finds that it works and finds that the um, any side effects are minimal enough to have cleared it as a device that is acceptable gotcha. in this country. Is, is in that case where it's, you know, that means that the facility is actually offering it. So yes. if women are going to a particular facility and it's not being offered, the scalp cooling is not being offered, um, then, you know, they can go with the, the manual, manual. One that you referenced, um, rent it and right. do, go through the manual process. And um, and we're going to take a break here in a couple of minutes. So thank you, first of all, for clarifying those two things. And so then I want to clarify with you too, Bethany, that um, your which one are you representing to be able to uh, support funding for? Uh, so we are agnostic. Our goal is to increase access to scalp cooling for patients with financial need, and actually for everybody, but our subsidies are for patients with financial need, and we support, um, it will soon be six different suppliers. We do not oh, just yeah, support okay. the automated. We don't just support manual. We look at the actual supplier. We make sure they've been in business for um, over a year that they their their patients are happy with them, that their product works, and then those patients using those products are eligible for our subsidies if they meet our financial criteria. Perfect. And I want to talk about that a little bit more, too, because we want to get down to all the nitty-gritty information that we can so that we Great. can arm these potential patients with everything they need to know to make a good choice, first, for their treatment, and second, for the ability to be able to do the scalp cooling process and be able to salvage their hair. I know it sounds vain. I know it I know it sounds crazy, but the truth is, is anybody that I spoke with that went through this process, um, there was so much compassion in, you know, them losing a bit of themselves in order to get healthy again. And, um, and the hair loss part of it was, was probably the most devastating for him. It was, 
it's hard to think that because, you know, it's hair and it and potentially it grows back. And in most cases, even with chemotherapy, um, the percentage of it growing back is very, very high. There are some, you know, reports of people that don't have it grow back or have it grow back uneven. But most of the time they do. So we're getting ready to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to find out more of the details of this. And then, of course, how can we help you, Bethany, to be able to get the word out, support more of the donation and the funding so that more women can take advantage of this too. But I want to ask all my listeners right now, how important is your hair? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being great, how important is your hair um, to you? And would you be that 8% choice that says, Mm-mm, I'm not doing that because I don't want to lose my hair? Um, and so we'll be right back. And if you guys want to find me, I'm on Facebook, Beauty Inside and Out Show. You can find me on Instagram, Beauty Inside and Out. Twitter, Beauty In Out Show. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication, selling, or public speaking skills? Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions to profits to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. That's bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. Welcome back, everybody. This is Bonnie with Beauty Inside and Out and my guest, Bethany Hornthal. She is with Hair to Stay. Um, which is a, uh, an opportunity, a, a fundraising, a donation, a nonprofit organization to be able to support women um, to get funding for the scalp cooling therapeutic treatments, which allow you to go through chemotherapy and not lose your hair. So, Bethany, you know, we talked uh, kind of, we kind of did the genre about it. Like, what is this, right? And mm-hmm. now we're gonna we're gonna go into the details of how does this work um, in salvaging the hair type of thing. But first, I know I I really wanted to hear what some of the patients said that have since used this treatment and they didn't lose their hair and how, and, and what a different experience that was for them. Yeah. Well, 
I think that we have a variety of patients, um, some who have, you know, lost hair in a previous occurrence of cancer and then were able to do scalp cooling on a second, uh, in a second case. Um, let me just tell you a couple of the different types of reactions. I think, first of all, you have a whole group of people who are, have young children. Um, and for them, I've had people tell me that one of the worst pieces about going through breast cancer was they felt they traumatized their children uh, when they saw them bald and when they watched them lose their hair. And so there are a number of, of women who are mothers who are so grateful that their children don't even necessarily have to ever know that they're dealing with a, a very dangerous disease. So the ability to save your children from that knowledge is 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 a big one in a, in a significant number of people. The um, the another reaction that I find to be very profound is that women have said to me, when I was done, I looked in the mirror and I saw myself. I didn't see cancer, mm. and so that is such an important because if you can see yourself after three months or four months, look in that mirror and you're not staring. And what's staring back at you is somebody who looks like you and looks like a healthy you. Your ability to heal and to feel healthy is just that much better and that much further along. Um, mm. and, and this has come from women who have lost the hair one time and this time were able to have their hair when they were doing chemotherapy. So, Right. And there we are I think in that the was, situation. Yeah. Of, yeah. of sharing that, you know, it wasn't just one series of chemotherapy or one series of cancer, but two. Now, I've got I've got a couple yeah. questions here for you. Sure. Um, one, you know, in the question that I asked before we went to break, how important is your hair to you on a scale of one to 10, 10 being great? Where do you fall into that? Because I'm I'm looking at a picture of you. and It looks like you have a healthy head of hair. <laughs> well, I do. You know, I. Um, hair really matters uh, to me too. I, I was born with curly hair, and I thought that I, I that was really a mistake. And I've spent you know a lot of time with big rollers up on my head in the olden days, and then you know thank God hair dryers were invented, and then thank God <laughs> iron you know flat irons were invented, and now I'm approaching a stage where I might be willing to have some of the curls show. As I as I it's interesting as I got into hair to stay, I thought I don't care what my hair as long as I have hair I'm lucky. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, yeah. But it is very much a part of my identity, and I know that when. You know, when my hair looks good, I feel better. And when my hair looks bad, I feel like, you know, not as good. And and that, for me, there's more vanity in that. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're talking about in a cancer situation, it's a whole lot more related to the control and the identity and the sense of health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And your yes. ability to keep something private that should be private if you want it to be private. So, right. but yeah, I'm a 10. I'm a 10. So I got yeah. it. You know, as soon as I, I heard I'm, you I'm, could save I'm your right hair. I'm right there too. And it's funny, I had the opposite. So I had like, you know, a lot of hair, but certainly in a finer texture being light, ha- light colored. Um, and then when I went through alopecia areata and I lost a lot of my hair, like I pretty much had my hairline around, you know, front and back, but 
um, really, you know, the size of, you know, oranges spots, um, you know, three or four or five of them on my head at one time. So, I mean, I had kind of this veil of hair that I would wear it back in a ponytail or I would wear a hat. And when it did start growing back, um, it came back really curly. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. I had straight hair and now I got curly hair. So now I kind of got a little bit of an in-between so I can play it up curly. I can blow it out if I need to. But yeah, it is important. It really is important. And you're right. it's, It's vanity from our perspective. But it is a loss of identity um, when somebody is is battling cancer. Now, here's my other question for you. I know that you're referencing breast cancer. Is this product just approved for breast cancer patients or any kind of patient and any kind of cancer knowing that chemotherapy is still the treatment and hair loss is still the result? Okay, great question. Let me try and parse that out a little bit better. So first and foremost, scalp cooling is for solid tumor cancers, and you can pretty much take any solid tumor cancer and you can use scalp cooling, and that means that both men and women are uh, can be using scalp cooling and do use scalp cooling. Now, mm-hmm. solid tumor cancer, and that what I'm comparing that to is a blood cancer, <clears throat> excuse me, like leukemia, lymphoma, multiple myeloma. These are not cancers that you want to use scalp cooling. That's not, it's not recommended in those situations. So solid tumor cancers are the arena right now for scalp cooling. Um, if you want, I can explain why that is and how scalp cooling works, which makes that yeah, let, the case. Well, so let's I'm, go into uh, okay. how, scal- how scalp cooling works because that was my next okay. question anyway. Okay. All right. So one more piece of the what kind of cancer answer is that we tested in the U.S. in breast cancer. The way the FDA works, whatever uh, patients you are using for a clinical trial, that is the indication that they will clear for. So 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 scalp cooling was cleared for breast cancer in the U.S. because that's the patient population that was tested. Now, it's uh, up to... The manual caps are being used for all kinds of solid tumor cancers, and the, and quite frankly, it's up to the institution how they want to use the automated uh, scalp cooling systems. They are right now cleared for breast cancer because that's the indication. Right. The suppliers will be asking the FDA to expand the indication officially ASAP. Okay, how does it work, and why do I say solid tumor versus blood cancer? It's um, actually very simple. By cooling down that follicle, by freezing it, in fact, you are constricting the blood vessels that feed and supply the blood to the hair follicle. When you constrict that blood vessel, because it's very cold, it can't take in the, the blood that it normally would get. Therefore, it can't take in the chemo that it would be because presented Because the chemo with. is going through so your you, bloodstream. Yeah, exactly. So you are basically restricting and protecting the follicle. There's one other thing that happens when you make something very cold in a cell. It slows down the metabolism of the cell. So the cell is more protected because it's not dividing and it's not as vulnerable. And chemotherapy targets fast-growing cells. So Mm -hmm. um, those are the two mechanisms that we believe work together to protect the hair and why you will not lose the kind of hair you would lose otherwise. Um, 
And then the reason why blood cancers, why we have that distinction is because one of the issues that precluded scalp cooling from being accepted in earlier days in this country, even among oncologists, was they were worried about something called scalp metastases. What if the cancer moves, for instance, from the breast to the scalp and you've protected the scalp by doing scalp cooling? Then what? Which could happen. Which could happen. The answer to that is sort of twofold. One, scalp metastases are extremely rare, probably 1% or less in breast cancer, and two, uh, and in many cancers. By the time you would see a scalp metastasis, you would have, it would not be the first site where an occurrence or recurrence would happen, and you would have much more serious organ involvement uh, versus the scalp. So that's the argument for solid tumor cancers. For blood cancers, you don't want to create a sanctuary anywhere in the bloodstream that will not be attacking the cancer Mm -hmm. because the cancer is traveling in the bloodstream. So that's the explanation. Well, thank you. That that makes a whole lot more sense. Um, And certainly uh, you've you've clarified how it works. So, um, So let me ask you this. Is it... Is it painful to put something super-duper cold on your head for an extended period of time? You know, 30 minutes plus, plus, plus. Well, the first part of the answer is yes. Um, The second part of the answer is no. So it is painful to put something that cold on your head um, initially. And it's sort of like a brain freeze, as it's been described to me. I've put it on. But um, honestly, I haven't been down to the the lowest levels that it goes to. So I haven't personally experienced as cold as it can be close. What it feels like in the first five to 10 minutes, as I've been described by many, many patients, is a brain freeze that you get when you mm. eat ice cream too fast, that mm-hmm. feeling. And what's happening now in the medical centers and for patients, they're being it's being recommended that they take a Tylenol before scalp cooling or that they potentially have Ativan if that's going to something that they take that takes the edge off, just something to mitigate the discomfort of those first five or 10 minutes. After that, the head pretty much goes numb and your body may feel a coolness and many people will drink hot tea or have blankets, um, but you don't anymore have the pain. So it's, it's initially uncomfortable. And the difference, too, in the automated systems and the manual systems is that the manual caps are coming at minus 30 degrees. Uh, they are really cold. That's what dry ice is at. And then the, ma- the automated systems are closer to 30 degrees plus, um, and you gradually cool them down on the head. So you don't mm-hmm. just stick something on automatically in the very second. So this is gotcha. not fun. But it is tolerable, and in our in the FDA trial, there were, I believe, just uh, a couple of patients out of 120-some-odd that said that they were going to leave the trial because they didn't want to tolerate the cold. Yeah. Well, and I can see some people might be really uber-sensitive to the cold um, yes. and not finish it out. Now, this particular service, whether it's the manual or the like the um, Digni cap that you were referencing and the other companies that your organization, Hair to Stay, supports in this funding process, insurance doesn't cover this this no. service. Okay. All right. So So that's why we're here. We're here to sort of level the playing field as much as we can um, 
before insurance arrives, until insurance arrives, and maybe after that as well. But there is this gap. Uh, right now, there is very little insurance coverage. Some patients have been fortunate enough to put in a code for cranial prosthesis, which is uh, another word, fancy word for a wig, and received a couple hundred dollars back uh, as a result of that. But certainly, we're all pushing on the insurance industry to join us in uh, recognizing that this is um, a side effect of chemotherapy hair loss and that this is a treatment to mitigate that side effect and that they need right. to develop a, a code and get it out there so people can get some reimbursement. Yeah. Now we have we have a break coming up in a couple of minutes. So I wanted to, I want to capture in a few more things here before we go to break. So there is this qualification process, which I want to talk about in the next segment. You know, like who okay. are the people that would qualify? Who are the people that wouldn't? So in knowing that there is the qualification process for you to be able to support them in this donation, this funding um, opportunity, how expensive is these this particular service? If somebody says, no, I'm paying for it because, I, you know, if I don't qualify, I still want to maintain my hair. Right. So scalp cooling uh, costs range. It depends how many treatments you have. The manual suppliers usually charge by the month. They rent the caps by the month. They can be anywhere from 400, uh, for, in the 400 to $600 range. So I think if you think 450, you're probably in an average there a month. So again, if you have, depends how many treatments. Uh, mm-hmm. Breast cancer frequently has four to six treatments, three weeks apart. So you're looking at probably four months of renting a cap, maybe three, four, five. So the low range for cost is about $1,200, I would say. Um, and it can go up to $3,000. Uh, the, the automated systems are still, there's a new one coming to the market in next month. Their business model is probably going to be an upfront fixed cost, which may range from, I'm not exactly sure yet, 1300 to 2200 somewhere in that. That's been stated. Uh, so I think patients can basically look at 1200 to $3,000 as being the range of, of retail for scalp cooling. Um, oh well, that's. I then, mean, that's not. That's right. not awful, though. That's not that bad if somebody it, was really committed to, you know, having these having this service. Yeah, I think where it gets really bad is depending upon your uh, your income. You're you're dealing with cancer. You may be uh, having to deal with not working. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's it's a very on top of everything that cancer means when you add that number in and what cancer will cost. It does get to be prohibitive for a number of people, and it's those people oh, that sure. we really want to address. Yeah. So, I'm sure. Okay, but, perfect. Well, we are going to take a break right now, and then I want to talk about that when we get back, and also kind of the positive emotions to you know any person, male or female, being able to maintain some of their look and identity, and and staying kind of you know full force into you know into the work environment, into the you know into society. Really is what right. I think what it comes down to. So I know that you got you. Everyone may have some questions for Bethany here, and, and I'll let you know that you can tweet me Beauty In Out Show or send me a message or even a private message on Facebook Beauty Inside and Out Show. Um, or you can connect with me on Instagram, Beauty Inside and Out Show. We will be right back.
stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication, selling, or public speaking skills? Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions to profits to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. That's bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. Hi, everybody. Bonnie Bonadeo here. We are talking with Bethany Hornthal, and she is with the Hair to Stay organization, and it's hairtostay.org if you want to find out more about it. And this is the This is to be able to support patients going through breast cancer and chemotherapy treatments where they lose their hair. And this is scalp cooling therapeutics that her organization supports and raising funds for. And we were just getting ready, Bethany, to be able to find out. Um, because you've done such a great job of being able to tell us about the scalp cooling process, um, how it works and who it's really best suited for. So let's talk about then your organization, Hair to Stay. So you you raise money to be able to have people qualify to have the treatments at no cost or give us give us this scenario and who are these people that would qualify for this? Okay. So yeah, our goal is to help make scalp cooling as accessible as possible for as many people as possible. And what we've so what we've decided to do is to <clears throat> look for uh, a place where we could intervene where we think it makes a difference between whether somebody can actually do scalp cooling or not. And uh, based on our research, what we came up with is that um, somebody, we, are, we have an eligibility criteria that says that if an individual is up to three times the federal poverty level, then they are, in fact, an eligible patient for us to subsidize. And um, to give you a sense of what that means, the federal poverty level is uh, one time is somewhere in the $11,000, $12,000 range. So three times is in the $36,000 range. A family of four is closer to $72,000. And for those patients who fit in that category, um, we've, found that without the subsidy, they really would have to turn down scalp cooling. Um, And and what we do is we supply those patients with um, 
a percentage of what they have to pay uh, up to $1,000. And in some cases, if they're using, uh, depending on their treatment, we may end up paying, um, you know, 70% of their treatment. We may end up if we, you know, it just depends on exactly what their regimen is. But our eligibility criteria is up to three times the federal poverty level, and we give up to $1,000 to those patients that qualify. Um, we have some earmarked funds where donors have, you know, put together funds for specific institutions like UCSF where we can go a little bit higher uh, on our eligibility, lower on our criteria, up to four times federal poverty, and, and have a little bit more money to dispense because we have a larger pool of funds in particular areas. But that's how we, that is how we determine qualification. And we, as, as I think I mentioned, um, we supply funding for patients who are using any of the scalp cooling devices that come from any of our qualified suppliers and right. qualified. Okay. So we're and not- how do they, how do, where do they go and how do they qualify? So a patient, um, where they go to, I guess, you know, if they're talking to their oncologist, the best thing to do if the oncologist doesn't bring it up, and again, this is solid tumor cancers, not just breast cancer, but solid mm-hmm. tumor cancers, a patient can say, what about scalp cooling? You know, uh, I, you know, I would love to consider scalp cooling. The oncologist can then have that conversation with their patient. Um, to determine if, if it's an to, option. Yeah. I mean, some, yeah. you know, some oncologists have different feelings about it. They should at least discuss it. Um, but then the patient uh, can come to uh, hairtostay.org, and you will find there a list of all the qualified suppliers that we have looked at and that we believe are, you know, going to do a good job for a patient, and they can then click on a link and go directly to any particular supplier site to understand how their particular system works and what the charges would be. They can fill out an application from our site um, and they will click on apply. They will have a hopefully easy application to fill out. And we use a third party called MediMeds that looks at the application and determines the eligibility, asks for any missing information, and hopefully within 24 to 48 hours turns around a response to a patient. Perfect. Good. And I'm I'm on your site right now. It's 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 very detailed here. So there's actually a chart on here with the federal poverty levels. And so, um, for example, in um, one you know household size of one thirty six thousand dollars, then how does that work with the three times? So three times is thirty six thousand. Those are the actual numbers. So um, a household of one. Uh, can be an income of thirty six thousand. A household of four, you. I'm not looking on the site as you are, but it'll tell you okay. there that what that is. Oh, I see. Um, I see how you're saying it. Okay, right? so then people can people can see that they could qualify based on just this chart you have on your website, and then if they go further down here, it says um, apply for a subsidy, and then you have a third party person who be who supports you in that um, subsidy yes. uh, decision making. Okay, that's nice. But, but yeah. From the patient standpoint, they they don't even necessarily recognize that it's another you know group that's working with us. It's another nonprofit that we use to look at the applications, but it's all part of Here to Stay, and they okay, just—they're the ones who collect the information and then get back to us, and then we send out, you know, the checks <clears throat> to our patients. But, but yeah, it's all right there. Um, we've done the math for you, 
on that site. So um, yeah, you can see pretty great. closely. Perfect. And and this is something that once you've been diagnosed, this is when you'd want to look into it, look for subsidy or support system, or even if people didn't qualify for subsidy, they can still go onto your site to be able to see the different choices of, of CAPS available that they can make contact with directly um, and determine if that's an option that they want to be able to do as well We've without subsidy. Oh, yes. I mean, we try and create enough education on the site as well so that patients can make informed you know, decisions with or without a subsidy. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, um, so tell us again how people, so they go to heritostay.org is where they can right. find out more about this. Yeah. And then um, any other um, options that you want to share with them? Uh, well, I think they can always Google scalp cooling and look up particular suppliers if they want mm, uh, to go that route as well. Um, there is another organization called Rapunzel, which is an advocacy group for scalp cooling that came around a long, long time ago and originally was putting freezers into medical centers to help with the manual caps. And they have a list also of the of suppliers, and so they can use that. But yeah, it's we're at the tip of we're at a, a tipping point, I believe, in scalp cooling. I keep saying that. I've been saying that for a while, but I think now it's really true. Uh, the word, and you're so helpful, Bonnie, in getting the word out here. Uh, we need more people to know about it, and hopefully, people will support. We have a program called Save It Forward. Mm-hmm. Tell us have, about that. We have. Well, I tell you that. I was contacted out of the blue uh, by a patient who didn't use our subsidy but was so grateful for having saved her hair that she wanted to figure out how could she help the next person save her hair or his hair. And so um, we we wrote up her story and put it on our site, um, and we call it Save It Forward, and we did a little crowd rise funder on her behalf. She put it in her Facebook and, you know, lo and behold, I think, you know, there, she's raised over $7,500 in her own network, all of which has gone to Hair to Stay to save it forward for the next patient. So, oh, that's um, given nice. That give, given that we give $1,000 to each patient, you know, you can, it's pretty easy to figure out how many patients and their families you've affected uh, with your own funding. So uh, we have the ability to to accept um, donations in that way. People can run their own fundraisers and we can be helpful um, and support, you know, here to stay that way. Um, You know, like I said, every thousand dollars means the difference for our patients of whether or not they're going to be able to save their hair and with it, hopefully their privacy and their identity and uh, really a sense of well-being while they're going through something that is so traumatic. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about that because, you know, the emotional part of losing your hair really plays an an effect in a a major role in people not wanting to be out in society, which means that they're self-conscious of going to work. Um, You know, and what we know is that chemotherapy, you know, certainly doesn't make you feel good in the process of trying to, you know, um, provide that cure for cancer in a sense. But you know, but what we do know is that I mean, I have friends that are going through chemo treatments and and other type of um, treatments along with chemo, um, and they're working every day. They're still taking care of their families. They're mm-hmm. still taking care of their kids. They're still going to work. They're still going to the movies. Like they're not in lying in bed 
you know, just because they're going through treatments for cancer and everything. But the hair loss part does affect that ability to want to connect with society because it, 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 it is. It's like a blatant statement of I'm sick. Exactly. And exactly. so what are some what are some positive emotions that, you know, when you keep your hair, what does that what does that look like and feel like for people? Well, I think it first of all, it just also gives them more hope about how they can handle going through cancer mm-hmm. Be- because, you know, there's enough being altered in their lives. Why alter their appearance? Um, so I think there's a hopefulness. I think there's a different sense of well-being of looking in the mirror and, and seeing yourself. Um, a sense of control. Okay, I got this one. You can't take this one away from me. I'm going to hang on to my hair, and I've got control over that, um, at least uh, you know as much as I possibly can. Um, privacy. You know, I don't. You know, it's it's for some people it doesn't matter, and it's fine. I mean, they lose the hair, they wear a scarf, they wear a wig. You know, this is not for everybody, but for those people for whom that is significant. You know, maintaining that appearance and that sense of privacy about who has to know mm-hmm. uh, can be very important. And I think, you know, I've spoken to the oncologist who was the principal investigator of the trial, Dr. Hope Lugo, who's really a renowned breast oncologist. And she says her conversations have a whole different quality to them with her patients when she now tells them that they are going to have chemo and they ask, Will I lose my hair? And she says, probably not. When yeah, you don't have that, to. You don't have to. I mean, you may not. You may not have to yeah. anymore. And it's just that she feels as though the conversation after that and the experience for the patient to be able to hear everything after that is entirely mm. changed. And so I'm, I'm anxious. Listen, with a little more money, I'd love to do some research on this and really see... Mm. Um, sort of the quality of life issues associated uh, I, with this. I would, I would love to be able to do that too. So, all right. So if you go to the hair to org, there are not only ways that you can, if you are in a situation where you're going to be going through chemotherapy treatment and you want to see if you can be subsidized here, um, you can fill out that application. If you are interested, if you're one of my listeners and you want to donate to this, and listen, I've got listeners all over the world. So, you know, obviously in other countries, this might be a, a normal you know, thing that is a, a qualified part of a service in other treatment centers in other parts of the world. Here yeah. in America, though, we have we are subsidizing it because it's not covered by insurance. So if you want to donate, you can go to the hairtostay.org website as well. Um and there's many options to be able to donate. But one of the things that we talked about on the break, Bethany, that I want to touch on real quick before we close out the show is you are interested in doing a salonathon and creating a hair to stay day. And I want to hear more about that because all of my all of my beauty industry friends, this is something we can get behind and support. I would so love that, Bonnie. It would make my decade. Um, I um this is a labor of love with me. This is a, a volunteer um, situation for me. I, I'm just so aware of the impact that <clears throat> I would be shouting it from the rooftops and the mountaintops. And I, what I've learned in my years of working on this issue is that the, one of the most generous industries I have ever come across is the beauty and hair care industry, mm. and specifically hair care. And one of the very first people I went to when I thought, okay, am I going to really start this nonprofit, was in 
the, I live in the Bay Area, and I went to Andrew Todd, who runs Di Pietro Todd Salons. And I said, Andrew, would you help me with this? And off the bat, Andrew said, I'm going to contribute 1% of our hair care product sales to Hair to Stay. And oh, he has I love that. from that day forward. Now, I went into another salon in the Bay Area a couple months ago, and I was talking to them about Hair to Stay, and they said, okay, we're in. We're going to run a salonathon. And yesterday was the salonathon. It was a, a, a salon and a, a brother barber shop down the block. And these unbelievable people came in on their day off, the stylists, and they donated their services that day. I even, I said, and they donated, I mean, you know, everybody has their own plan. And they gave 40% of hair care product oh, sales nice. to Hair to Stay. Oh. And we, we raised like $4,500 in one day with three stylists. I mean, it was amazing. Heard and I they want to loved hear. it. Yeah, they oh, I'm sure. And the, they, we are the a giving industry. The people who came in said, oh, my God, I get to leave looking great, and I feel great because I contributed yeah. to a cause. And the people who were doing the styling, and one woman said to me, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, in this industry, am I really, is this a meaningful thing that I'm doing? And, and now, I, also, I can see where I can use my gifts to really affect somebody's life. And, you know, who more than I? And then somebody involved in the hair industry, they, you are touching people. They are touching people's yeah. hair. They are shaving people's hair when they're going to go through chemo. They're crying with them as their hair falls out in the bowl when they're washing their hair. I mean, Right. Hey, Bethany, I'm going to have very, to stop you here because yeah. what oh, I want sorry. you to do for us, though, is I want you to, because I can see how passionate you are about this, and I love that passion. You create this Hair to Stay Day. I promise you I'm going to be a big supporter of it. I'm going to put the word out. We're going to have you back on the radio when you get this day going because okay. I want everybody to know about it. So thank you again for being a guest here. HairToStay.org, everybody go there. And of course, if you have questions or more information, you can always reach out to me at Bonnie uh, Beauty Inside and Out Show on all my social media handles. And thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for listening to Beauty Inside and Out. Please join your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.